if like you ever like are talking and you hear a bitch's name be brought up and everyone's like oh that bitch can fight if y'all all think about that bitch that you know every one of them bitches y'all just thought of jumped me that's what i feel like today okay i woke up i got in the shower i got out of the shower i bawled my eyes out What up, bitches? We are back for another episode. This is episode six. We are in month two of Not A Regular Mom podcast. I don't know about y'all, but I really did not think this was going to happen. And I really didn't think this episode was going to happen because I'm going to let y'all know right now it is Wednesday night at 8.14 p.m. and I am recording this. I just got off work. Yep, you heard me right. Work, because I got a job, baby. Um, so I have been unemployed for the last two months. I quit my job, um, and I just got rehired back at the job I quit two months ago. <laughs> you know, when you love your people, you love your people, and you just can't let them go. But I really needed a mental health break, um, and so I, I didn't, I don't know. But anyways, long story short, the shit worked out how it needed to work out. And I'm back where I needed to be. And um, yeah, so everyone was like, now that you're working, are you going to do the podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to do the podcast. And then yesterday I was exhausted. Yesterday was my first day of work and I was exhausted. I was like, crap, I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. And then I knew I wasn't going to get off till seven today. So yeah. I was like, am I going to keep doing the podcast? But here we are, baby, because I'm determined. So we doing this. Today is episode ass, 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 Okay. Um, but yeah, we're talking about the BBL journey. I'm telling y'all the full fucking story, all the details, probably the shit you don't even want to know, but you're going to know today, baby. Yeah, the fuck you is. Um, so yeah, we, if you listened and you're keeping up with me um then you listen to episode three plastic surgery where I talked about everything that I've ever had done um and I did mention that I was going to go ahead and do a detailed podcast for BBL because everyone's had a breast dog damn near it's very cut and dry it's simple there's not a whole lot to it everyone's had lipo so I didn't feel the need to like go in super deep detail about all that but everyone has not had a BBL and there's a lot of people who do want them me personally when I was having mine um we're coming up on my two-year anniversary there wasn't a whole lot of information out there about it um there was a couple of people who had made YouTube videos and things like that but there wasn't a whole lot of information and there was zero zilch nada information on women who have scoliosis having a BBL and I know that sounds so weird and like uber specific but like I like I've told y'all before I'm a little funny built because I did have two titanium titanium rods fused to the length of my spine when I was 12 years old so my torso never grew arms and legs continue to grow so I just didn't know what the fuck I was gonna look like I'm like what if I look like a fucking freakazoid I look worse than I do now 
Um, thankfully, that was not the case. But yeah, so let's get into it. I'm gonna give you all of the details about the BBL. Okay, so I discussed pre-op um, in episode three, but I'll tell you again how I found the doctor was I work for a plastic surgeon and um, my doctor that I work for does not do the BBL procedure. However, one of our his colleagues, his peers, someone who I'm very close with in our practice does do them. And so his name is Dr. Bradley Hubbard. I do want to shout him out. If you want to look him up on Instagram, let me find his Instagram. I want to say it's Bradley Hubbard MD, but don't get me fucking lying. Um, yeah, Bradley Hubbard, that's H-U-B-B-A-R-D-M-D. Um, and he's great. Like he's really, really good. BBL isn't like his, the, the top thing he does. Um, but y'all got to see his fucking tummy tuck belly buttons. Anyway, so I'm not going to keep going on and on and on. Go visit his Instagram and check him out. Leave a comment and let him know that not a regular mom podcast sent you. Um, but yeah, so that's how I found the surgeon. Um, we do have a, a doctor in our practice who does like that's the majority of what he does is BBLs. However, I'm not very close with him. I don't know him personally like that. And so I would have felt very uncomfortable going to him, asking him if he could do a free surgery for me, you know, like, no. So I'm one of those people who I don't like to ask for anything. I don't like to ask for money. I don't like to ask for handouts. That shit makes me feel super awkward. And so it was, it was a lot for me to have to ask the doctor I worked for, for a free surgery and to ask Dr. Hubbard for a free surgery. So no, but anyway, so that's how I met him. So pre-op, I went in about a year before, um, we were planning to have the surgery and that's when again he told me you're gonna have to eat to gain weight you don't have enough fat and we literally lipoed my whole body again I said all of this before in episode three but we lipoed my whole body so the day of surgery I was first case so I showed up to the hospital you can have nothing to eat or drink after midnight you have to take a shower with germ inhibiting soap so like um dial hibiclins lever 2000 i use dial because it has a little bit of moisturizer in it so it doesn't leave your skin completely dry um but a lot of surgeons use hibiclins which they will either either give it to you at the office or you can get it over the counter at cvs walgreens etc so you're going to take a shower either the night before or the morning of you're not going to put any product in your hair no makeup no you can't like you can brush your teeth but you can't swallow no water um, no lotions, no perfumes, no deodorants, like literally do not put anything on your skin. You get in the shower, you wash all the germs off, you get out the shower, you put your clothes on. When you're going to surgery, you want to wear, especially if you're having a BBL, no pants. Like I, I, I had a nightgown, um, but you're not going to want anything that's tight on your butt. And so no pants. So I wore a button up nightgown. I got it off of Amazon or target.com. I don't remember. Um, but get a couple of nightgowns like that so that you're not having to wear pants. Um, and then another thing I would suggest getting, I'm, I'm going to give you the pre-op things checklist that you should be getting. You should be getting a BBL pillow. You should be getting a funnel to pee in. Um, and they literally have funnels m- like made for peeing in. You need to get some pool noodles you need to get hella pillows. You need to get chuck pads or um, doggy pee pads. You need to get either um, like some type of thing to use to protect your mattress. I used a drop cloth, like a painting drop cloth. You can use a um, clear shower curtain, anything to protect your mattress. So you're going to want to put that down, then put your sheets over that. 
um, hella, hella fucking pillows. You're going to need um, a stage two faja. Um, you're going to need what I got was ab boards and backboards. So they are hard foam boards that you put in your on your abdomen and on your back after lipo to um, keep compression underneath your faja and keep that flat as possible. After you have lipo, uh, you get a lot of fluids because they put fluid in you when they do lipo and then you get fluid from swelling. And so that can settle in your lower abdomen um, and leave a pooch so that you want to make sure you for sure have compression. Um, And then you're going to want to get adult diapers because I started my period right after surgery. I've had a couple friends start their period right after surgery. Your garment is going to be crotchless. And unless you buy large, super large underwear in advance, you're not going to have underwear. So I literally cut my depends diapers into thongs so that my ass cheeks could still breathe and be out and not feel like they were claustrophobic up in that diaper. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And then you're going to want to have high in protein foods to eat afterwards. Um, and foods with good fats like salmon, avocado, etc. Okay. So day of surgery again, wake up, take your shower, brush your teeth, get your clothes on, go to the hospital or the surgery center. If you're staying the night, then you need to have an overnight bag. I went home that same day and that takes me into the next topic, which is outpatient versus inpatient surgery. Um, it really depends on your doctor and how many procedures you're having done, whether you're going to need to stay inpatient or not. I almost stayed inpatient, um, but at the last minute, I decided to just go home and sleep in my own bed. Um, but not everybody has that luxury. The doctor will tell you if you need to be outpatient versus inpatient. If you have a very low pain tolerance, I would suggest staying at least one night um, so that they're able to manage your pain a little bit better. Um, depending if you're on a surgery center, then it's going to be a little bit different. Our surgery center at my job, we actually have a hotel that's on site and a surgery center that's on site. So like one half of our office is um, like clinical rooms to see patients. And then the other half of our office is the OR and the hotel. So in our hotel, it's not like staying the night in the hospital, right? So you do have a nurse that's there 24 hours out of the day, but she's not administering IV medication. She's just basically checking on you, changing your dressings if necessary. Um, But you have to have someone stay with you, like an adult to stay with you while you're in the hotel. Like they can go grab food or whatever, but they need to be there majority of the time. Now, if you do inpatient hospital, then you are being monitored. You're getting IV pain medications, etc. Throughout the night, you don't have to have someone stay with you. You can if you want to. Um, but again, if you have a low pain tolerance, I would definitely ask about inpatient surgery. If you have a high pain tolerance and all you're having done is the BBL, obviously you're having lipo, um, depending on your surgeon, depending on your age, your weight, your health history, you may be a candidate to go home that same day, but definitely talk to your doctor about that. So recovery in the ride home, after you get out of surgery, you're going to be in PACU for, an hour, maybe more. They're just going to really be trying to control your pain on your way home. Um, so 
you know, sometimes you'll wake up from anesthesia and be super nauseous. They're going to try to control that, um, controlling your pain. When I was there, I had Dilaudid pushed three times. I was in a lot of pain after I had my surgery. And I was also laying on my back, which really made me mad because I'm like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? Why am I on my back? I should be on my stomach. I just had my ass done. Get me the fuck up. And then I needed to pee and she was trying to put a bedpan underneath my leg and it was pushing on my butt. And I was like, girl, I will hold it or I will pee in this fucking bed. If you fuck my ass up, I'm coming for you, ho. Don't do that. Um, so you'll be in PACU till your pain is controlled and managed enough for you to be able to make it home. The nurses are going to put you in a wheelchair and they're going to take you down to your car. You'll have the clothes that you came in um, and then they are usually going to send you home with some foam for your garment, post-op instructions, etc, etc, your prescriptions, blah, blah, blah. So the ride home is the worst part. No, it's not the worst part. I'm going to get to the worst part of my experience, but the ride home is no fun at all. Um, I was in my mom's little bitty ass Kia and I was literally laying in the back seat with my knees bent and my like shins and feet up against the door in the window and driving from Dallas to Allen and my mom's car has like no shocks. So like if you hit a bump, it's like you're on a roller coaster, you're going to be flying around I was like, who chose to bring this fucking car? And why am I riding in this bitch? Like, my car is so much bigger than this. What are we doing? What are we doing? I was not happy. So my dad drove me home, thank God, because my mom's crazy driver. So my dad drove me home. My mom left and went and got my pain medication prescriptions, um, came home, instantly went and took a nap. My mom came in there, got me up, gave me my meds. I got up, I ate a little bit. Um, but the, the first two days really weren't that bad. Honestly, the first week wasn't horrible. Is at the end of that week, as you heard in the beginning of this clip. So day five, I felt like I got hit by a fucking train by, I got jumped by a, a fucking gang of gorillas. Like I was hurting. And I was, my poor self was blaming me. I was like bawling my eyes out and calling myself an idiot for decorating the Christmas tree. Like I was really going in on myself about this. And lo and fucking behold, I had COVID. I had COVID, you guys. So let me tell you how I found out. So I'm getting to the end of the week, right? Day five. And, um... That's the clip that you heard when I was feeling like shit. And and day seven, I was going back to work. So the night before came and I'm like, I can't sleep enough. I'm exhausted. I don't understand what's going on. Like this is, this doesn't feel right. Like, why didn't I feel like this in the beginning of the week? Right. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sleep as much as I can day five, day six, because day seven, I'm going back to work. So day seven comes, I go back to work. And I get there and I feel like absolute shit. I'm like sweating, but I'm, I'm freezing cold. I, I literally like keep feeling like I'm going to pass out. I, I don't know what's going on. So at this point, I'm so sick. I am laying face down on the hardwood floor because there was nowhere else for me to lay. P- sweating profusely, but shaking because I was so cold. Dr. Potter came in. He's like, okay, Jordan, like 
you need to go home because what the fuck like you're of no help to us we can't help you like call somebody to come pick you up and go home so I call my brother he comes and picks me up I go home so I'm calling Dr. Hubbard that night and I'm like dude like this isn't this isn't normal something's wrong and please understand that what I'm about to say is coming from an employer perspective he as a doctor would never say this to a patient but he as a my as not he wasn't my boss but he felt the pressure for me to come back to work if you will so he told me he's like Jordan you need to suck it up like you've been off for a week you're tough you've been through worse than this suck it up buttercup and get your ass back to work and so I call his first assist and I'm like, Kate, like I'm, I'm bawling at this point on the phone with her. And I'm like, something's wrong. Like, this is not normal. This is not normal post-op pain. This is not normal post-op fatigue. Like I've had surgery, bro. I know it wasn't as intense, but something is wrong. So she's like, okay, well, let me call Hubbard and I'll call you back. So they call me back and they're like, go get a COVID test. Like, I mean, that's all at this point, that's all it could be. So my lovely best friend, Caitlin Hall, at the time was working for an urgent care and they were doing COVID tests. So I text her. It was like end of the day. They were honestly already closed by the time I got there. But she's like, yes, bro, come on, I'll do your COVID test. So she comes out, she swabs my nose and 15 minutes later, I'm positive for COVID. So now I'm really fucking upset with myself because not only... Do I feel like fucking shit? I got COVID. I went to work and I exposed all my coworkers. I exposed my family members. My parents are older. I'm like freaking the fuck out, bawling. When I call my boss and my office manager to tell them I had COVID, I couldn't even get it out because I was crying that hard. I was like, I literally exposed all of you. Like, you know, the, that type of cry. Like, it was so bad. I felt horrible. So that second week, baby, that second week, I couldn't sleep enough. There was one day where I legitimately slept 24 hours. I think I got up to pee and that was it. But I would sleep so long and then wake up and be even more tired than when I went to sleep before I slept that long. I could not get enough sleep. I could not catch up on my sleep. It was horrible. And then to top it all off, my worst symptom with the COVID, I didn't have a fever. I didn't have a cough, runny nose, nothing like that. I had fucking diarrhea, bitch. After just getting my ass done, I can't sit. I can't sit on a toilet. I can barely spread my fucking cheeks to wipe. My asshole is literally raw from shitting water, essentially, and then having to wipe my ass raw. But y'all, diarrhea after getting a BBL. What the fuck? So not only did I start my period and I'm wearing adult diapers, I also got fucking diarrhea, bitch, for a whole week straight, a whole week straight. It's a sensitive subject. Like, I, I still have PTSD from it. <laughs> and I'm literally, let me tell y'all how I'm shitting. If you want to go to my um, personal Instagram, it's at Jordan Lee, L-E-A, Taylor. Um, I, I'm actually tagged, I'm pretty sure, in the bio of Not A Regular Mom podcast Instagram. Um, but if you want to go there, follow me. And then I have a BBL journey. You can actually see what I was sitting on to use the restroom. So I took two pool noodles 
made them in a circle oval kind of shape and duct taped them together and then I covered that in chuck pads and duct taped the chuck pads down and I put that on the toilet seat and put my hands on the sides and held myself up over the hole and shitted. It's a wonder that I don't have the most amazing arms after doing all of that, after having to hold myself up like that. And I thought the peeing part was going to be the hard part. Nah, no. So COVID kicked my ass. But once I got over the COVID symptoms and I stopped being so fatigued and exhausted, it actually wasn't that bad. I started to bounce back. I was cleaning my room every single day, just like wiping it down with Lysol wipes. And um, yeah, it wasn't bad. But that COVID was no fucking joke. So the rest of my recovery, I was off for another two weeks because I was diagnosed with COVID. So at that time that was in the thick of it when it first was here and you had to be off for two weeks, quarantined for two weeks. So I was off work for a total of, um, cause this happened right before Christmas. I was off work for a total of a month. Um, I went back. I didn't drive for six weeks. So Trey took me to work for the first two weeks. Um, I didn't sit. I started sitting on my BBL pillow at four weeks. So I did not sit at all for four weeks, not even on my BBL pillow. Um, I started sitting on my BBL pillow at four weeks and I started sitting on my ass eight weeks I want to say I can't remember exactly but I want to say it was eight weeks um but y'all that was the craziest experience and I'm a stomach sleeper so I thought this will be easy like I sleep on my stomach so no big deal y'all I could not wait to sleep on my back or on my sides because you're laying on your stomach and then if someone's over you're wanting to talk and engage and you can't just lay with your head down right you got to look up at them so my neck hurts so fucking bad and that is something I've heard a lot of people with a BBL say is how bad their necks hurt afterwards because you're holding your neck up to talk you're holding your neck up to watch tv like my neck hurt so hurt worse than any other part of my body my neck was killing me the whole entire time But just not being able to sit down and eat dinner with your family, not being able to sit down in the living room and watch TV like you were literally laying in bed all the time. And so I think that that kind of attributed to the exhaustion, to the fact that I was just always in bed. Um, It was just easy to fall asleep, but I could not wait till I could sit down on that BBL pillow. Um, I went out at six weeks after six weeks post-op, I went out. Um, your butt is really, really swollen and tight for the first four weeks, for sure. Um, I remembered the, the top of my butt was hard still and the bottom of my butt was soft. So like if I was running upstairs, it just felt so fucking weird. And I thought, oh my God, I made a mistake because your butt is going to be rock hard afterwards. Like I'm going to be completely honest with you. It is going to be rock hard afterwards. But it softens. Don't worry. It's all soft now. Um, I'm two years out. I've actually lost the entirety of my ass. Um, I, after, so I, for a year, I had to eat to gain weight. And that becomes a habit after a while. And so after my surgery, I didn't stop eating to gain weight. I continued to gain weight and I got up to 175 pounds, which was. 15 pounds more than what I weighed at 10 months pregnant. 
Um, it is 10 months. It's not nine. I don't know why they lied to y'all. 40 weeks is 10 months. Anyways, so um, I weighed more than I've ever weighed in my whole entire life. And it was disgusting. I looked hideous. And to all you fuck ass bitches who didn't say nothing to me. Yeah. Just know that when y'all get big, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just going to let you get big, bitch. Yeah, y'all was like, I'm thinking big, bitch. Yeah, you need to think small, ho. That's what y'all should have been telling me. Anyway, so I lost 30 pounds since that happened. And um, the ass was the first to go. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I can still knock a motherfucker out with these bat wings on my arms, but the ass is gone. So I'm going to have to start working out. It's definitely something you have to maintain. After you get it done, don't think that you could just live your life how you was living your life before because that is a fucking lie. You need to be in the gym working out. You need to be working your butt muscle. Um, Don't think that you were one and done just because you got this BBL. You ain't got to do nothing no more. That's a lie. That's a lie. It'll leave you quicker than you got it. Okay. So, um. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a round two as horrible as the experience was, as awful as it was. I am definitely doing a round two. You can't tell me shit. I can't wait to have a round two. I'm going to wait till after I have a baby so that I don't have to eat to gain weight because I'm never doing that again. It was, I was literally disgusting. So I've already told you what you need to have before um, as far as garments, necessities, sleeping. But if you go to my Instagram and you've if you follow my Instagram and you look at the BBL journey, you will see me show you exactly how I set my bed up. I'm still trying to figure out how I can export that like story reel thing onto my not a regular mom podcast Instagram. I'm trying to figure out how I can do that. But in the meantime, if you want to just follow my personal Instagram, it's private. So you're going to have to request it. But um, just request me and I will let you follow me as long as you're not my fucking ex-sister-in-law creeping on my shit um I will let you follow me but I want to just leave with the most important part of all of this if you don't take anything else with you from this it is research do your research cheaper is not better do your research because people die from this procedure. This is a very, very dangerous procedure. You can kill the butt muscle very easily and you will be paralyzed and never be able to walk again. So it is crucial that you do your research. And we're going to talk about some questions that you need to be asking when you are consulting for BBL, you need for, for any surgery, but especially BBL, you need to be like setting up multiple consultations you're probably gonna have to pay for it and it is what it is but wouldn't you rather spend five hundred dollars in consultation fees with five different doctors and know that you're picking the best one versus only spending a hundred dollars and doing one consultation with one doctor and settling and then you're paralyzed yeah I'd rather spend the 500 and know I'm going to a good person so let's talk about some questions that you need to be asking when you are going for your pre-op or your consultation you need to know first and foremost, is the surgeon board certified? If they are not board certified, huge red flag, run. Don't even schedule the appointment with a non-board certified plastic surgeon because this is the thing. You can go to school and become a dermatologist. You can go to school and become a general surgeon and you can still do plastic surgery procedures. You don't have to be board certified. You don't have to be trained properly in these things, okay? There's a lot of doctors out there who do this shit. So, if the surgeon is not board certified, then that tells you right there, he ain't the one for you. 
Then you need to know, does he or she specialize in BBLs and how many BBLs do he or she do per year? Um, this is a dangerous procedure again, so you want to make sure that they have had lots of practice doing it and know the proper techniques. You, But you don't want to feel like you're in assembly line, i.e. Dr. Miami and those kind of doctors. You want to know that you're going to have a great patient care throughout the whole entire process. And if they're a high volume BBL clinic, I would highly advise doing some extensive research and finding out the doctor and the practice's death rate. Um, point is, just because a doctor can do a BBL does not mean that they should. Um, and plastic surgery should not feel like fast food. If you're in and out, then that's that's a good indicator that, that you don't want to be there. Because that is how it is with, I'm not saying Dr. Miami's clinic specifically, but I have heard this about his clinic as well. But a lot of those Miami doctors, they are just turning them like that Mia, Mia aesthetics. You are, it's an assembly line. You're coming in, you're consulting, you're doing your pre-op, you're having your surgery the same day. Like that is not safe. Do not do that shit. Okay. Please don't do that. It's a personal decision. It's, and you're going under anesthesia. So you need to handle it as such, and it needs to be handled as such. It's, it's a very big deal. Um, and so do not let doctors make it feel minuscule because it's not, it's a big deal. And you are going under anesthesia and there is always risk associated with anesthesia and surgery and death is one of those. So you just want to feel like you are being treated like you're in a plastic surgery office, not like you're at a McDonald's and you're in the drive through. Um, okay, so question three is ask for before and after pictures. Um, a lot of them will have them on their website or you can go to realself.com and look up the doctor and they'll have before and after pictures. Um, my, the practice that I work in, we don't post a lot of before and after pictures online. However, we do have a gallery that you can look at in the office. The reason being is because we have consents that patients sign and they specifically state they do not want their photos shared online. So whether their face is in it or not, we can't share it online because they said we couldn't. Um, so we actually are going through and updating our website right now, trying to get some more pictures on there. But you can look at before and after pictures before you even schedule the appointment and know if you want, you know, if you want to hear that. Also, another thing is word of mouth is a huge thing. Talk to your friends who have had surgery. Ask them who they went to. Ask them about their experience. Um, look on the doctor's social media. Look through their comments. Um there's like word of mouth is a big thing. That's how we get a lot of our referrals and our practice is word of mouth. We do surgery. We take great care of our patients. They go and tell everybody about it. And then those people come in and schedule an appointment. So word of mouth is a great resource to use when you're looking for a doctor. That wasn't a question. That was just a little blurb to put in there. Five is going to be asked if they have patient references that will talk to you prior to booking. Not all doctor's offices are going to do that. It's okay if they don't, it's not a red flag, but there are some offices that will do this. Our office does it, um, not for all procedures, but we also do breast reconstruction. So that's a little bit different. You know, it's more personal. People are going through a huge change in their lives. And so they do want to talk to other breast cancer survivors who have gone through the same procedure. So we do offer that. Not all doctors are going to, but it's something that you can ask. There are a lot of patients who will say, like, listen, I'm so in love with what you did. I want to scream it from the rooftop if anybody ever wants to talk to me. And doctors remember that. They'll put that in the back of their head. So if there is a patient that's a little bit, you know, 
weary about doing it they have some questions that they want to ask somebody who's actually been through it not the doctor doing it it's an idea so definitely ask it doesn't hurt to ask six is going to be read the reviews although this isn't the most accurate way to know if the doctor is good or not um, if there are a lot of bad reviews it's usually a red flag seven is recovery time and time off um so depending on what you do for a living, you are going to have to take some time off after the BBL. I would say I went back too soon. So I was off for a week. I went back way too soon. I would say a minimum of three weeks off, but you're probably going to want to do anywhere from three to six weeks off of work. Um, just because you can't sit again, it just depends on a lot about what you do. Okay, so question eight is going to be, are there any traveling restrictions? This is really important if you are traveling outside of the state um, or the country for your surgery. You want to know when you're going to be able to go back home, um, how often you're going to need to come back. The thing with going overseas for your surgery, I have, a, I have a couple friends who have gone overseas and we have people who call all the time who had their BBLs or tummy tucks done in like the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or whatever. But the thing is, is they don't take into account post-ops follow-ups and a lot of plastic surgeons because we have people call all the time like hey I had a, a tummy tuck done in Dominican Republic I can't go back for my post-op I have an opening an open wound on my abdomen can you see me we are not touching that because we didn't do the surgery we don't have to take care of it um, and it comes with a lot of complications and then that's more out-of-pocket costs for that patient if they would have just gone back to the doctor that did the surgery originally, then they could have probably worked out a deal with them. They wouldn't have had to pay so much, but definitely make sure that you ask about travel restrictions and then how many appointments you will need post-surgery with the doctor. And then nine is, do they offer cosmetic insurance um, for post-op in case something happens? So some doctors will offer a cosmetic insurance that you can pay a fee for and then let's say you have your BBL and you get an infection you have to go to the hospital everything related to that hospital fee is going to be not covered by your your personal insurance because your insurance looks at it like this we are here for medical necessities had you not had that BBL you would have never gotten this infection the infection is directly related to the BBL which is cosmetic and so they're not going to pay for it now, some insurances are amazing and they might, but 90% of insurance are not going to pay for that. They don't want to pay for medical necessities. They're definitely not paying for shit that you did. So we'll have women who get their breasts done and they get a rupture or a capsular contracture and they want to have their insurance pay to take the implants out. They will not do it unless your implants were pay placed for breast cancer reconstruction insurance is not paying to get them taken out doesn't matter if you have an infection doesn't matter if you're dying doesn't matter if you your implant is literally coming bottoming out of the bottom of your breast and you can see it hanging out insurance is not touching that they're not paying for it so if they have cosmetic insurance for post-op things i would definitely suggest getting that because you never know you're probably not going to need it but if you don't get it then you probably will so those are just some some questions that you can ask your doctor again research is the most important part of this whole entire thing you just want to make sure that you're in good hands this is cosmetic surgery 
I've seen so many people recently, especially traveling overseas, going to get a BBL done and they end up dying. And I'm not kidding y'all. This is a very dangerous surgery. I, I'm going to say this over and over and over again because I want to beat it into your head that this is not this is not like a boob job. It's not just in and out, no big deal. It is a big deal. It's something to take extremely seriously and you don't want to go under a surgery to enhance your body and then lose your life behind it. So I'm all for plastic surgery. I'm the poster child for the shit. I love it. I think that if you want to make yourself feel better and have a surgery to make yourself feel better, that you should. But I also think that you should be safe doing so. A good rule of thumb is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You are looking at, for a BBL, spending anywhere between ten and $15,000. If you're given a quote for $3,500, $5,000, run. Run. Again, you do not. The goal is not to be treated like you're in assembly line, not to be treated like you're herding cattle, okay? And so these these doctors who do a high turnover of BBLs every day are going to be charging less money for them because they're doing more of them. So that is not a situation that you want to find yourself in. So again, just research. That is what I'm going to beat in y'all's head about all plastic surgery, but especially, especially the BBL. You have to do your research. So we're going to wrap this episode up next week. We are talking about dating with kids. Um, also, I just want to say, I really hope that y'all enjoyed last week's episode. Um, the first bad moms club episode with Alex. We had so much fun recording it. Um, we definitely got really personal. We told y'all some things I never thought that I would be telling the world about myself. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we did it. I'm super proud of us for being vulnerable and honest and just sharing our experience with y'all. And I hope that listening to it helped you in whatever situation that you're in right now. But I appreciate y'all listening. So again, next week, we're going to talk about dating with kids. We're going to talk about raising teenagers. And that's going to be the episodes for this month. And then first week of December, we have another Bad Moms Club episode. I'm going to have my cousin... Um, it's really Trey's cousin, but she's my fucking cousin now. Tierney Lampkin, she's going to be on. We're going to be talking about long distance co-parenting, really just getting in her business. But um, her and her baby daddy, long distance co-parent. She lives in Texas. He lives in New York. So we're going to talk about that and how the dynamic of all of that works and just really get in her fucking business. She said she's ready to talk about it all. So um I don't know if I'll have y'all ask questions this time. I think we may use some of the questions that y'all asked us last time. I've got some questions that I specifically want to ask her. Um, But yeah, I'm just excited. I can't believe that we're going, we're in the second month of the podcast. Like this shit is crazy. And if you want a little update, we're now in 16 countries, 30 states. um, And we are on five out of six continents I, I still need somebody in South America so if you know anybody in South America share that share the podcast with them let them listen I don't know maybe I can find somebody who can translate this for us so that if you're not English speaking you can still understand what the fuck I'm talking about but yeah, that's that's it for this week's episode. If there was anything that you wanted to know more about that I did not answer, 
you can message me on Facebook at Not A Regular Mom Podcast or on Instagram at Not A Regular Mom underscore podcast. And yeah, it's, it's time. It's my bedtime now. It's time for me to go to bed. We got this done in an hour. I love that for us. Um, the recording time, the, the, the podcast ain't that long. Don't worry about it, y'all. But yeah, it's time for me to go to bed. Going back to work is kicking my ass. So y'all already know we're going to be here at the same place at the same time next week. Drop that motherfucking beat.